Disclaimer. This episode of the Dub Talk Podcast may contain language or situations that may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Please be aware that this episode also may contain spoilers for the movie Ride Your Wave. If you do not wish to be spoiled, please check out the film before listening to this episode. And as always, the views and opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Now, if you excuse me... I'm going to drink this tropical drink out of a coconut and let the summer vibes flow in our penultimate episode of Summer at the Movies Season 5. Ride your way. Enjoy. What's happening, friends, fans, and fam? And welcome to another episode of Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of really bad surfers get together to talk about the latest and greatest English anime dubs. And you're in for a treat. It's time for our annual Summer at the Movies special, where I cannot go crazy and only watch something with a 90-minute runtime, as opposed to something that goes on for hours and hours and hours. It's a lot. Anyway, my name is Gigi. Hello. Welcome back. It's been a while. And today I am joined by my lovely friends, Patrick. Insert slide guitar solo here. And Zenith. Hi, everybody. I'm Zen. I'm a bunny. What's going on? Are you a beach bunny? I am a beach bunny. And we are here tonight to talk to you about the 2019 film Ride Your Wave, directed by Masaki Yuasa. So, that's why I'm here. (laughs) That's not why I'm here. (laughs) Y'all, y'all, I got this come up in the script. I got you. You'll understand the method to my madness. Um, So, fun fact about this movie, it was recorded entirely, quote, at home under the supervision of NYAV Post and has a very small cast, but an extremely memorable one that includes a bunch of actors who are not known for voicing in anime. Uh, You can check out Ride Your Wave on home video. It's released by G-Kids as well as HBO Max. And if you haven't seen it yet, well, I don't want to spoil it too much before we get into the episode that will be chock full of spoilers. (laughs) I'll just say that a surfer girl named Hinako encounters a fireman named Minato, and through her relationship with him, she learns how to, get ready for it fam, ride her own wave. It's like the title. Oh my god, everything makes sense now. Might be the last beach pun I have, but I make no fucking promises. Um, honestly, after the first 20 minutes of the movie, it becomes an entirely different film. But if you like supernatural love stories, then this one is for you. And normally, I don't care a lot for you, Asa work, <laughs> just because I'm not a fan of the art style. Uh, but this art felt really adorable, and this instantly became my favorite Yuasa movie. So I knew we had to talk about it this summer. Y'all, this movie's a wreck. <laughs> this movie destroyed like, me. Like the first like twenty five minutes are so beautiful, and then it's it's pain. It's just lots of pain. It's good, but it's meh. it's pain. 
This movie punched me in the gut, stole my lunch money, and stuffed me in a walker. It was high school all over again. Uh, Ouch. And it did not need that twist at the end, but meh. Um, uh, I don't want to spoil too much. Knife. I do have the I do knife. have a question though. Um, what other movies has Yuasa done? Because I'm not as familiar with the name. Patrick, I will leave this one to you because the only other one I know is The Night of Shark Walk On Girl, which I actually was surprised that I enjoyed. Alright. Oh, I, I was hoping for more knuckle cracks there. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Masaki Yuasa um, is an animation director mainly known for works at Madhouse, um, though he's also done a little bit of animation work for a Ghibli film. Um, he has done series such as Kimono Zune and Kaiba, as well as the Tatami Galaxy, Ping Pong the Animation, which is one of my favorites, and Devilman Crybaby, which is the anime of all generations of all time. Okay, so like, I have seen the beginning of Devilman Crybaby and I noped out of that. I do like the artwork for Devilman Crybaby, but it went too dark for my liking. A little bit too dark. <laughs> I will tell you, I finally finished Devilman Crybaby, and while I understand the hype by the end of it, I thought it wasn't worth it. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this was a ride I did not want to take. It is pain at the end. See, yeah. he, here's the difference. <laughs> I feel like Ride Your Wave is a ride that people should take because it's a lot about dealing with grief and growing up and learning to be independent, and there's some really good stuff here, regardless of the ending. Um, I'm not sure about Devil May Cry, baby, because I couldn't get through it. Pretty much the same it's... thing. Hmm. Less violent, though. Yeah. It's far less violent. <laughs> Yes. A lot less gore, so this is kind Ride of the Devil Man Crybaby if you don't like the Devil Man Crybaby stuff. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, so we're going to go through the writer, director, and the main cast. We're only going to talk about the four main characters because there aren't a whole lot more and they don't say very much. And to get things started, here comes your spoiler time. We're going to talk about the writer slash director slash song adapter and that is stephanie shea uh she is no stranger to anime directing writing or producing she's been with nyav post for whatever this is a california dub um so she did all the stuff the writing and the directing for one of my favorite anime and i know one of patrick's favorite anime which is paradise kiss fuck yeah um, she also did the writing and directing for the movie that was my second choice to go this year, which was Weathering With You. Um, and then she directed and er adapted the songs for Fireworks, which is a terrible movie. <laughs> Nobody picked that one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so wh what did what did we all think about the, the writing, the directing, the song? I think that one of the most important parts of this movie is the song that Minato and Hinako sing together and apart like through the whole film because if it weren't for if it weren't for that song that they sing um Minato would not be coming back in the water as it were. Hmm. 
Mm. It, it's a very important song. It's a song that, throughout the film, takes on different contexts, different moods, and different tones. It's very important, and it, it's like it feels like very much the driving force, the driving idea of this entire thing about you know learning to move on after the bumps in life and uh, although now I can't hear it without crying so there you go I just like I really liked the way not only that she adapted the lyrics for it but also in the fact that she directed um, the two actors to sing it because it didn't sound too polished like it didn't sound like they were professional singers in a booth like just re-recording the song it really sounded like they were in a car like on a road trip singing it together and laughing um i actually read an article before we did the show about how she said just keep going if you mess up the words keep going like if you laugh in the middle if you you know need to take a breath whatever just do it like we just want to hear the most natural rendition of this song possible like how you would sing it if you're just hanging out and like enjoying life and enjoying your time and I thought that was really, really kind of pivotal to the whole thing because when I first watched this movie the first time, that was the very first thing I noticed. I was like, wow, these people can't sing very well, but you know what? It's cool because like, I want to hang out with them and like go to the beach. So I thought that was pretty great. Um, as, as, as for writing and directing, I, I mean, I don't have too much to, to complain about. I know you're all shocked. Um, I thought it was pretty serviceable. It, all of the, the dialogue and the directing style really drew me into the characters just as normal people. I know they're a little extraordinary at times, but everything felt very relaxed and normal to me. Um, some of that not might not be in the best context, which we'll talk about a little later, but... I really, I really just felt like the dialogue was very conversational, and when you had to get the grief parts, I, I felt them in my heart. Like, and when you got to the happy parts, like I felt the happy, I'm in love, romantic parts. Like, I really felt them, like really, really hard. Like, I sobbed through two thirds of this movie. But when it came to some of the other parts, I think most of the qualms I had about it didn't come from writing or directing it just came from the acting but I don't know what do you what do y'all think um honestly dubbed songs aren't really ordinarily my bag um there's just something about them that doesn't feel quite right and I've never quite been able to put my finger on exactly what it is but with this um, it's really kind of fascinating because it actually, it feels, like you said, it feels natural. Um, they just went for it and, you know, we'll be getting into the actors in a little bit, but they are sort of, they have more of a professional musical background. Uh, then, you know, uh, the, 
they have experience with music, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And um, the fact that right. they were sort of able to play it down a level uh, is something you... I really don't think you could get people who don't know how to sing sing in order to do. If you know what I'm saying. Like, actually being able to, to play it down and have it actually sound realistic. Like, I don't think you could get somebody who was actually not trained to sing to do that. You're right. And now, now that I think about it, yeah, the two, the two actors who do sing the song, I don't, I'm not positive. I don't know. Well, one of them is professionally trained. I know for sure. I'm not sure about the other one, but it just, it doesn't sound too polished, which is what I like. Right. Like if you, like if you listen to the, like the theme song, the dub theme song for Orin High School Host Club, you could tell that somebody trying to sing like perfectly so it can be put at the beginning of an anime. And, and this song, although it is like a central theme of this anime, um, when the actors sing it, like the lyrics are are adapted well from the Japanese and the actors just sound like they're having a good time as opposed to trying to hit every note correctly. Um, yeah. And that's definitely a stylistic choice, which, which I appreciate. Absolutely. Also, I... it, <laughs> it didn't happen to be recorded in a wooden box that echoed everything. <laughs> Unlike know, the Oron like High right School now. theme song. I'm sorry, Caitlin Glass. I know you... I like the show, but oh my god, that dubbed opening was just grating. You know, I just found out that Brina Palencia sang that. Really? Like, it's, yeah, it's I... not the actual singing, it's just... Like, you could kind of tell that it was not recorded in... in in somewhere that you would record, like, singing audio. Right. It, it's it's odd. Anyway, Zen, you were saying. Um, I just have to applaud them because I think the biggest thing about the writing and directing is that this is probably one of the most natural-sounding dubs I've ever heard. Never... Um, in the course of the film, did I feel like any line was forced? There wasn't any um, any distracting uh, word choices. Everything was translated to the way that made it feel like natural speaking dialogue. And I have to applaud it, especially the song. And the song is the is the core of the film. It's the central part, and it doesn't feel like a song dub. It just you know, every time she she starts singing it, it has the proper emotional weight. It doesn't feel awkward. It doesn't feel like it is uh, off tone or off key. It is just there. And you mentioned how it didn't seem polished. It's it's not a professional song, but I think it's sung very well in the terms that they're very clear about what they wanted to convey. In each instance of the song, every single time they play it, they want you to feel something different. And that's very hard to do if you play the same song. 
But now, like, you know, it starts off very lighthearted and they're having fun, but then it's playing and you see, you know, and, and she's crying and, you know, it. in order to get that proper emotion, they had to, to do something incredible with this. And I think the way they were able to translate this, the way they were able to dub it um, and direct it, um, I, I applaud it. I have nothing but good things to say about this direction and writing because I, I I couldn't find any issue in that regard. I will say, though, my one big gripe about sort of the the technical side is there was a little too much Kirk Thornton scattered throughout the, the sort of bit parts in Walla as different characters. What? Just like the same actor? Yeah. There was a lot of, like, there was like I honestly a lot of double notice. and triple casting in terms of like the not not even the secondary characters but sort of the tertiary and Walla. See, I would have never heard that unless you said something. I I didn't even notice. To be honest, I was so focused on the main four people that I that I didn't really notice. <laughs> like it just. Uh, Honestly, it was um, because I was watching another show for an episode that will be coming out after this um, that I really started to to pick up on, like, the same actor playing, like, a bunch of a bunch of the sort of smaller characters. And I, as I was watching the movie again for the rewatch for this, I'm just like, oh, hey, that's Kirk Thornton. And then about 20 minutes later... Oh hey, that's Kirk Thornton. Wait, that's not <laughs> that's not the guy. And then another fifteen minutes later, hey, wait a minute. See, see, fam. I mean, I'll give him a pass just because it was the first, I guess, theatrically released movie that they had to quote unquote record at home. Right. And and I I've seen the the behind the scenes videos from Funimation and everything where they literally send people kits with the the at home studio and people hiding in their closets with blankets over them and it didn't sound so like that. Like it like... did it sounded like it was professionally done, which is very interesting at how well they were able to do it. And you know that's kind I, I of oh, know. sorry. No, no, go ahead. That's kind of the interesting thing too, um because I remember reading an article before the whole uh, pandemic thing started um, about Adam Driver for the uh, the Star Wars movies basically recorded all of his Walla on a laptop in his closet. I don't I don't remember if it was all of it, but all of the all the sort of ADR voice that he used for his masks. Like he actually did a lot of it from home. What actor? What what role did he play? I don't um, know. Who that is. Kylo, Kylo Ren, Ren, the guy in the mask. Oh, Kylo Ren, the worst day manager ever. <laughs> I only know Kylo Ren from the ride, y'all. Oh man, <laughs> I, I need to go I back to Disney. If I hadn't gone to Galaxy's Edge, I wouldn't know who Kylo Ren is. Let's be real. <laughs> Um, there, no, I there, think that's Gigi. Real... There, there. 
I know, I'm just not a Star Wars girl. Um, but I, I think that's really interesting because I guess when push came to shove and deadlines needed to be made, it, I, I guess it would be a lot easier to have one actor play six wall of roles and six, you know, tiny characters as opposed to sending six people kits out. Because, I don't know, this is just me looking at people's posts on Twitter, but all of the... California actors that I've seen who have built their own booths have literally like paid for it themselves. Like I, I haven't seen a studio reach out to them to, to fund their home studios, but maybe that's just a California thing. I I don't know. I'm not going to make any generalizations, but I do, I do think that's a good point that you bring up with the, the wall of man as it were. Yeah. Walla Walla, Washington. (laughs) (laughs) Well, are we ready to talk about some some actors now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's dive in. Let's ride that wave. Uh, We're going to start out by talking about Yoko Hinegeshi. Yoko is Minato's sister, and uh, when he kicks the bucket, she's... She's not having a great time, but she's also trying to not show people that she's not having a great time. Uh, Yoko Hinegashi is played by Sarah Ann Williams. Sarah Ann Williams has played Neferpito in Hunter x Hunter 2011, which I really need to watch in the dub because I haven't gotten that far. Uh, she's also played Sayaka in Madoka Magica, which is throwing it back about almost 10 years. And then my W Award winner, she played Midari in Kakegurui, who is best girl. Uh, she is also the only main character actress, actor, in here, uh, who mainly voices an anime. Like, working in um, live action film or... Uh, American cartoons, as far as I know, like is not her main gig. I I know her from voicing anime, um, and <laughs> I guess I'll start out by saying y'all know I love Sarah Ann Williams. I loved her in Kakigurui both seasons. She's good in Madoka Magica. I'm I have not heard her in Hunter Hunter, so I can't comment on it. Um, I almost felt like she was trying too hard here. Like, Yoko's a little demon troll, and she's very, very angry, and she's very, like, tsundere, I guess, to a point. But I almost felt that her performance in this was a little too, I'm going to make everybody hate me. So when it came for the time for her to have a crush on Wasabi, right? She does. I'm not making that up, right? Yep, she has has a crush. flat out confirmed. Yeah, okay, well, she I, said, I've loved you, and then at the end, they're together. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. I liter- I skimmed past parts of this movie the second time, so I was just making sure. Um, but when it got to her, you know, saying she loved Wasabi, I was like, I don't know if I like this character enough to make this B story palatable for me. And I don't know if it's because I just don't like the character of Yoko or if the voice was just so harsh for her and especially for being a little sister that I couldn't um 
I just, I didn't feel anything for her. Like I just, I felt like the whole time that she wasn't sad that her brother had died, but she was just kind of like, well, we got to get this over with, you know, all business and stuff like that. And I was like, do you, do you have any emotions except when it comes to Wasabi? I don't know. I don't know, fam. Help me out here. Please help me to see the error of my ways. Because I really want to like this. And I just, um, I feel it was very harsh. I think what's happening with Yoko is she's a character who cannot express her emotions properly. And the thing is, I relate to Yoko very, very much in certain aspects. It was said earlier that Yoko had started to cut school because of all the pressure that was put on by her brother, who was so much better than her. And so, like, she started to... She didn't know what her path was. She lost her sense of identity. And I feel like losing the ability to express your emotions is a part of that. Um, As I've kind of gone through a little bit of that in the past as well. I don't think the actor is the problem. I think you just don't like the character because the actor is trying to convey this person who has trouble expressing her emotions without coming across like um a bitch because she isn't she isn't but she she's very blunt and she doesn't know how to express herself other than being straightforward and the reason why um she only cares about this one person was because he saved her when he said basically it's okay to be yourself you don't have to be your brother and those are big things. But I found her tone very bitchy, which is why I'm I'm struggling here. Well, I mean, well, she's also just a classic Sundere. I don't know. I disagree. I don't think she is a bitch. I don't think she's bitchy. I think she's a character who struggles with her emotions. And, you know, at the end, she she's trying to uh, fulfill her brother's dream of making a, a cafe. She cares about those around her, otherwise she wouldn't have helped uh, her. She wouldn't have helped the main character. She wouldn't have, you know, there, there's certainly stuff there. And I don't think it's a classic Sundari so much as a character who is very incapable of showing their emotions without coming across that way. Well, I mean, in the classical sense, that is basically what a Sundari is. They uh, they have sort of a she, gruff she expresses exterior. her love. She doesn't say like Baka. Like this is very not. A, it's not a stereotypical Sundere if it is. Oh no, it, it's more of a I don't know a nouveau Sundere where it's sort of the sort of a gruff, slightly abrasive outer personality trying to trying to protect this sort of soft interior of her personality I mean I can again I'm a cancer uh, that's that's my sign a cancer of the crab we protect ourselves I, I I relate to this character very much so I mean say what you will if you don't like it you don't like it but I relate in a very big way I, yeah. I don't think the performance is I, I think the performance was good sometimes a little over the top but overall I, I really liked it I'm just trying to rationalize if I think the tone in of the performance of the of the vocal performance was 
like you said, a little over the top. For me, maybe a little too bitchy, a little too Sundari, a little too unsympathetic for me as a viewer. Or if it was just, this is how the character is written, this is how she should sound, that's how Sarah Ann made her sound. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That that's fair. I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I disagree. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to start an argument. I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out like what you guys think as opposed to how I felt. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. it's very good that you have a a different um, point of view than I do because, like I said, I'm trying to figure out if I'm if I'm mixing the performance in with the character which is very hard to do it's very hard to do in this case because these these performances are so good you could almost mistake them for their character i i honestly think that yeah and i i do have to say i i really actually enjoyed uh sarah ann williams um she does the Sundere very well, and I was kind of apprehensive at first to talk about it because I don't want to necessarily reinforce a typecast because she tends to be cast in anime where she is sort of the Sundere or or nouveau Sundere type of character. Um, but she does this really well. Um, particularly after Minato dies and she is basically she's basically forced to keep the family together and she gets really annoyed about like what I like most about um, about Sarah Ann Williams' performance is like she gets legitimately mad at Hinako for just kind of shutting down in her grief instead of trying to figure out how to move forward with her life. Um, because that's basically what she is being... She's not necessarily being forced to do. She's forcing herself to do it. And then, of course, her love confession was like, oh, sign yeah. me the fuck up. That's some good <laughs> shit. Good, that was really good shit. That was really good. I also really love her reaction at the end, where she's just where she changes her opinions. <coughs> like only fools don't fall in love. Bye. Like <laughs> she, she definitely has an arc. Yeah. Right, and I, I do feel I'm not going to spoil Madoka Magica, but Sayaka is kind of a tsundere. And I loved that. Like, I loved her performance in the English dub for that. And it was it was years and years ago. Which is why when it came to here, and I'm just kind of like, am I taking this the wrong way? Like, what am, what am I not getting? But the way that you both explained it, I, I understand a little bit more now. So, like I said, I'm not saying it was a bad performance by any means. I just thought it was a little too OTT for my taste. But... That's that's the the wonders and opinions of critics, which I hate calling myself. It's like, who am I? Nobody. 
but this is what we signed up to do. This is our job. We have to do it. Somebody has to do it. Are y'all getting paid? Because if y'all are getting paid... I mean, it depends what you mean by paid. (laughs) Because, I mean, I do have a Patreon, and I do technically get paid a little bit. But, eh... Where's our sweet, sweet Patreon money? All right, let's move on to our next, our next waiver. Let's talk about Wasabi Kawamura. Wasabi is Minato's best friend. He's a fireman. He's got abs of steel. Uh, Yoko is in love with him. And through the whole movie, after Minato died, I really wanted him to get with Hinako, and it never happened. I was like, where is this? Somebody write me a fanfic, because that's what I wanted, and it didn't happen. Well, I disagree because, no, they would not make a good couple. No. (laughs) It it, it undercuts the entire message of, you know, they they loved each other so much and she doesn't want to move on from him. I feel like if Minato had come back, I'd be fine. But the, the confession, I was with Hinako. I was just like, no, no, this, no, he's a good guy, but he's not the one I love. I shifted. All right. Wasabi Kawamura is voiced by Michael Johnston, who has voiced a very select few small roles in anime. Um, he played a character named Shoichi in Demon Slayer. He played a character named Atsushi in A Lull in the Sea. He plays Lu, or I don't look. I don't know how you would pronounce his name because I've only played Fire Emblem once and he wasn't in it. Uh, in Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, but the way most of you will know him is he plays friggin' Corey Bryant in Teen Wolf, which, <laughs> sign me up for that. Because my I have a best friend who is completely obsessed with Teen Wolf, like goes to Teen Wolf conventions, has like paid lots of money to take photographs and like get autographs from these people. And I was like, why do I know this name? And then I was like, oh, shit, that dude's in Teen Wolf. Cool. <laughs> so, so that being said, he is probably, like, next in line for most experience voicing in anime. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys fight amongst yourselves over who's going to talk about him first. Because I, I want to hear what you guys have to say rather than me lead off. Okay. Um... I don't really have too, too much to say. Um, I have seen the first episode of Demon Slayer, so I think I've seen... Shuichi's the main character, right? No. He's like some one-off, I think. Okay. Well, from what I from what I know of this character, I think it sounds great. A little bit too reserved at times, um, and a little bit too awkward. That's kind of the point. But he's supposed to be growing and evolving, especially as we see later. But overall, I like the tone of this character. I think he did a great job. Um, I just... I did not like the pairing. (laughs) Um, I just... (laughs) He's a great guy. I like him. I think he works well with with Yoko. And I love his interactions with Yoko the most. Their chemistry is very good. In in terms of voice acting and in terms of the, the characters themselves. So I think they both did a, an equally good job. Uh, I don't really have too much qualms 
aside from a little bit too reserved at times. Uh, and Patrick, you, you have the floor. Yeah, um, Wasabi's a schlub and I love him. <laughs> like, he, I, I love how his sort of introductory scenes, um, after when he's first introduced, but like when you're being introduced to him as a character, he is just like this, this dopey dope who, uh, who is just bad at everything he does in the fireman training. Like he can't hold the hose. He can't climb, uh, can't climb upside down. He keeps falling. Like it's, it's great. And just him kind of oopsieing into a relationship with Yoko is great. <laughs> I think um, they're very cute together. Yeah, um, and I, I actually kind of particularly like the scene where he tries to confess to Hinako and completely botches it. <laughs> like, I think that was the perfect summation of his character. I'm going to ask uh, you to pick out flowers for yourself. <laughs> and then at the very end, when he's sort of forced to nut up and, uh, and fight the fire in the building. I I happen to really... Like, I love it when schlubs actually have to have a moment of glory. Aww. He's a good boy. He's a very good oh, boy. he's an absolutely good boy. I love he that he, 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 he studied the fire hydrants, so he knew exactly where they were moved. It's so... It's, he's good. Yeah, because he learned all of that from... From what Minato had told him in the time he was training, like, like it calls back to the beginning of the movie where he's just like, oh yeah, I've had to study where every fire hydrant is in town just in case. But that doesn't come, that doesn't just come the first day you learn. Mm-hmm. It takes time. And I just love that callback where he's just like... Oh yeah, the fire hydrant's here now, and he just instinctively knows it. Like he gets such a great character arc, and I love it. And I love the the dub performance here so much because Michael Johnson just plays him as an absolute schlub. <laughs> See, like. The whole time I was I was watching it, I I kind of felt like maybe this was a problem in mixing. He just sounded very very quiet to me and very like, "Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm getting a check." But I I did enjoy a, a lot of his performance. I just kind of felt like I wish that there were a little bit more to it, but when you said he plays him like a schlub, then I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, like, I feel like that's the point of the character. Here. Like, he probably did that on purpose. I, I think I'm more convinced now that there is something with the mixing or maybe, like, even on the speakers of the TV that I watched it on, because at some points I could barely hear or understand what he was saying. I, maybe that was just me 
he was a little quiet, and that may have been a mixing thing, yeah. 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 Like, like, I just, I I wanted it to be a little more, like, dynamic, but, uh, but yeah, I just, like, I felt I wanted a little bit more. The part with Hinako was really cute. Um, I liked a lot of the parts at the beginning where we're just kind of getting to know him, and then right, like... There's a part where Wasabi and Yoko bring a box of Minato's stuff over to Hinako's apartment. And I just kind of like, that was where my heart kind of broke for him the most, where he was handing over a bunch of stuff where the two of them were together. And he was just like, I'm sorry. And I was like, oh my gosh. But maybe it was a mixing thing that I just I couldn't really hear him too well I'm hoping that that was the case and we're gonna we're gonna chalk it up to a mixing error on that part but um I'm trying to think if I would want to hear him in more anime and honestly I think it's a little too laid back for me like I'd I'd watch him in Teen Wolf all day long but I think I'd rather watch him in Teen Wolf than hear him as maybe like a main guy in an anime unless it were a really chill movie like um the one i watched the other day the the or uh, it's called josie the tiger and the fish howard wang plays the lead in that movie i think michael johnson could have done like a good job playing that character because he was real laid back so you could find another real laid back character like okay but it's hard to discern when you mostly know an actor from live action film stuff as opposed to voicing an anime. Um, and so we're going to go on to our next actor. And our next character, who is Minato Hinageshi. Poor Minato. He has the romance of his life. He's waited all his life to surf with this one girl who he doesn't even know if he'll ever see again. And he finally does, and he just wants to be better for her, even though he's basically perfect for her, still wants to be better, and he takes his surfboard out all alone. He always wants to help people. He doesn't die surfing, but he dies trying to save somebody who's drowning in the ocean. A hero to the end. What? A hero to the end. He really is. Gosh, Minato. Who wouldn't love you? Um, He's played by Joey Richter. Uh, Joey Richter, again, is mostly known for screen work. He did play Hong Lee, which is like a one-off character in The Legend of Korra. Um, He has played Officer Petey in the Disney Channel show Jesse. Um, But most of you may know him, and this is where I know him, and I have met him before, and I'm so dumb that I didn't put two and two together, that he's a member of Starkid. And if you were a gleek like I was, (laughs) Starkid is like the acting theater writing troupe that Darren Chris was in. Um, And they did that very Potter musical. So he was Ron Weasley in all the very Potter musicals. And I used to follow Starkid. Like I went to their shows. And I thought they were hilarious. And I was like, holy shit, that's the same Joey Richter. Never would have called it. 
So I feel dumb because I was like, dude, I literally like watched you sing for five years and talk and act in all of these musicals. And I had no idea that this was you. Zero. Um, so yeah, my, my fun story with Joey Richter was when I pretended that like I wasn't into Star Kid or whatever. And we had gotten tickets to one of their shows in Chicago, which were very hard to get. Like they sold out almost instantly. And I was like, yeah, I just came here because I heard you guys were funny. And I believe he was like, well, why? He was like, really? Why are you here? And I was like, shut up. I thought you were funny. Like it was cool. And I was like, too cool to like be into it because I'm lame. Uh, so yeah, it's Joey Richter. I don't know. I'm so embarrassed about it because even like looking at the name and looking at the picture, like when I Googled it and then listening to it, like I couldn't, I couldn't put the puzzle pieces together. So yeah, he hasn't done much in the realm of anime work, actually none at all, unless you count The Legend of Korra as an anime, which I don't, but that's a discussion for another podcast that's not ours uh what did you guys think of minato i liked it honestly okay good um the character itself is kind of one note um because obviously he's dead and doting over his girlfriend well he happens to be dead um his character obviously doesn't get much time to develop like the beginning is really great. The um like the first 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Where God. they're singing in the car and they're acting like a couple. Like I thought that was that was really great. And you know, even after that when he he spawns in in water whenever um Hinako sings the song. Like, I think he did a really good job with that, but I think it's more the movie itself holding him back. Because the character itself doesn't get the opportunity to grow. Right. So he just kind of... He kind of lingers in the state, and you can't really... Like... It's, it's hard to describe like it's it's hard to act around a character who has a lot to do and then they're dead and then they're only focused on one thing there we go thank you and like their their sole purpose their sole focus is to do a instead of a b c d e f g and i find this casting choice very interesting because Joey Richter is such a comedic actor, and while I found that a lot, some of Minato's lines were like kind of funny, they were very understated. And I mean, I guess Ron Weasley was kind of like the straight man when you put that character in with this one. 
but when I think of Joey Richter, I wouldn't think of somebody who plays a straight man all the time. And I feel like Minato kind of had to fall into that line other than the first 20 minutes of the movie, which made me sob uncontrollably. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And the thing is, I had seen the trailers before I watched the movie. I knew what was coming was coming. Oh, I didn't. The first time, I was fucking shocked. And it's just like, oh god, this is like the opening scene from Up, isn't it? Oh no. I haven't seen Up, don't tell me what happened. Oh no, oh no. Oh boy. (laughs) I've specifically not watched Up because I heard it was real sad. And I was like, I need to be in a certain mindset to watch it. And I think we... We, me and Chris were watching Ride Your Wave the first time, like, on HBO Max over the phone. And he's like, are you sure you want to watch this? And I was like, yeah, it looks really cute. And he was like, I'm going to put a pin in that. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) He's like, you're going to cry. And I was like, well, I just cried at fucking The Night of Short Walk On, girl. I'm sure I'll cry at this too. Like, No. And then the first 25 minutes, he hears me, like, sobbing uncontrollably. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I can't. And then we watched it again to record this podcast. Well, he just watched, like, the first, I don't know, like, maybe third of it with me, which, of course, is the best part of the movie. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, grabbing his hand, sobbing uncontrollably. And he's like, it's time to get you some Kleenex. Do we have any Kleenex in this house? Because you need some. And I was like, it's so cute. Then they had the Christmas. Oh, my God. And then I thought about the end of the movie. And I was like, oh, my God, I get the Christmas now. It's on the fucking title card. They did it through the whole thing. Anyway, that being said, um... Poor Minato and poor poor Joey, as the voice actor here, literally gets to show his chops through the first for 25 minutes out of, what, a 90-minute movie? Two-hour movie? I don't even remember how long it is anymore. Um, and then it just kind of is like he's literally trapped in a bubble. And I just... I. I felt bad because the character's sole purpose is to literally help Hinako and to be there for Hinako, which, again, after the first 20 minutes of the movie, makes it sound a little stale. And then again, I think there's also something wrong with the mixing in this movie because when they're in the car singing the song, like, I could barely hear him. Like, I could only hear Hinako. Really? So... Yeah, and he's a good singer, which is why I was very confused, because I'm, like, trying to, like, pick him out, and I was like, I can't even hear him. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have a trouble on my TV, but I, I don't know. I feel like that might be an issue specifically to the mix on HBO Max. It might be, because I I bought it, but it's in my storage unit, so I only have watched it on HBO Max twice. I mean, I was watching on, what, Amazon Prime? Mm-hmm. So... I think you should check it out there instead because I didn't have any mixing issues. Okay, good. Well, that makes me feel better. Um, Zenith, what did you think about Joey's performance as Minato? I think it was wonderful. I mean, it's very hard for me to really comment because it's it's a perfect performance. 
And I'm probably going to have to say the same thing about Hinako, because Minato and Hinako are some of the best voice characters I've heard in a long time. Aww. It They do such a wonderful job showcasing these emotions, the, the switch between, hey, you know, sometimes they're comedic, sometimes they're serious, and they can flip on it on a dime, and they do such a great job with the song, and... Like, I, I just, I have to lump them together because they're both really good and they both made me feel and uh, I, I don't have anything bad to say about them. Like, I had a little bit to say about the other two, but I, I'm going to say this right here. This movie is wonderful. And yeah, I do have a problems with the gut punch of an ending, <laughs> but yeah. it's still a movie that you should see and... The dub is the preferred method to see it, I think. I think it's it's one of the best dub films I have ever seen. Um, and, you know, of the stuff that we've reviewed, it's, it's top tier. Normally, I make a point to, to watch at least a little bit of things in the Japanese before we record. Um, I didn't this time... I did hear the song in Japanese because it's on my Spotify playlist. It's on mine, I gotta too. T- I gotta tell you, I kind of prefer the English version. Me, too. It's it's so sweet. I find, I find myself singing it just randomly all the time. In the shower, like, in the car. And it's just, like, the first two lines. And I'm like, damn it, here it comes again fucking song. Uh, it's a good song. But, like, specifically... Can I... Specifically, it has to be... Like, I think the version... The uh, the dub version of them singing it in the car is the yes. superior version. Yes. Has it's... to be the car version. It's so good, and can I just say I'm with this movie on one major thing? Fuck fireworks. And people who launch them illegally. I was streaming last week, and someone lit off fireworks right next to my apartment. I felt the shockwave three times, and and I don't do well with that. I, I it sets off my anxiety, it sets off my chest, and all this other stuff. Fuck fireworks. Yes, I have a dog. Fuck fireworks. <laughs> my old neighbors would set them off like every night constantly and I'm like this is the best reason that I moved that I no longer have fireworks neighbors going past midnight all night this is why I want to be out in the country like five minutes away from like places that I can eat but far (laughs) enough away where there's nobody near me yeah Zen I hate to burst your bubble there but I live out in the sticks there's a town fair in two weeks there are fireworks everywhere (laughs) that's it that's it Zen is officially banning fireworks bunny ban no fireworks for anyone if you use fireworks I'm confiscating them I'm putting them on the moon blowing up the moon and and then replacing the moon because you don't want to blow up the moon but you get where I'm coming from. No fireworks. And then you're sending the fireworks people to bunny jail. Yes, a bun jail. One million years bunny jail. 
One million years done, Jed. <laughs> well, while Zenith is blowing up the moon, we're going to talk about our last uh, actress here and our last character. It's Hinako Mukaimizu. She's our main girl. She's a surfer. She has a very large heartbreak when her boyfriend dies tragically. And then she has to figure out how to pick up the pieces of her own life and how to put herself back together again after that tragedy. Um, she's played by Merritt Layton. Um, and again, does not have any anime credits. Uh, however, she does have some voiceover credits. Uh, she plays Frosta in the new Netflix She-Ra. She plays... Lucinda the Witch in Sophia the First, which I have two nieces and a nephew, so I have seen Sophia the First, but I don't remember this character, so maybe she's in like the later episodes or something, I don't know. Um, and in her live action stuff, she plays Hannah in Alex and Katie, which is a show that is on Netflix. Her bio also says she has a K-pop YouTube channel, but I went and looked at it and she hasn't updated it in like three years, so it's safe to say that's pretty dead by now. Um, and, uh, she's like 19 years old now, so when she recorded the movie, she was actually younger than Hinako, so that hardly ever happens. Usually when you're an actor, you play younger instead of playing older, so I found that really interesting that she actually, you know, usually when you play younger... You have experiences that you can you can look on and that you can think about when this other character is going through some things that you may have already gone through. So you can pull that from your memory bank and use it in your performance. But Merritt playing older, she may or may not have had experiences like that. So she had to pull all her acting chops from somewhere else. Um, but what I liked the most about this performance, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad or disparaging way at all, um, but I liked that she didn't sound like a typical anime voice actor. Not that typical anime voice actors are bad, because they're not. Obviously, I love a whole lot of them, and most of them, and it, it sounded very refreshing to me which is exactly how Hinako needed to sound. She's a very, like, spunky, vivacious, young adult who just surfs all the time and wants to be free and, you know, ride those waves and ride like the wind. And she doesn't really know exactly how her life is going to go. But I think that maybe the lack of experience kind of helped her. Um, voice this character in a way because it doesn't she doesn't sound like she doesn't sound like she's trying to be a carbon copy of any other performance she just sounds very authentic and with like the giggles and the song and forgetting the words and not knowing the melody sometimes like I don't know like I really liked that my favorite anime dubs are the ones that are not over the top that are very conversational and it sounds like people are just hanging out in a room talking and somebody's recording it and this is what I felt a lot of the time when I listened to Merit um Merit speak as Hinako because even though a lot of it a lot of the time she was like crying 
and trying to make her way through grief and stuff, the times where she was really happy or where she was realizing something new, like it just, everything about this performance felt very refreshing to me. And it really helped solidify Hinako's character as one that I really wanted to root for. Yeah. I like the fact that Merritt Layton does not sound like a, a typical anime voice actress in that, you know, she sounds, she sounds young, but there's also kind of a maturity to her voice. Obviously, the singing in the car thing is absolutely great, and I'm going to keep going back to that whenever I can, because <laughs> holy shit. Um, but when she's actually going through the cycles of grief, I think mm -hmm. is where her performance stands out the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Because that... There's it's hard to do unless you've gone through it yourself. And I think the biggest thing, there, there's a portion near the end where, like, you know, we've seen all the stages of grief, you know, denial and all this other stuff. But when we finally see her, like, in her normal self, and then she breaks out into her wacky voice, that moment, right, right when, you know, she's with Yoko and, and, and her new boyfriend, like, She's, she's, like, finally keeping together. She's riding those waves. Like, she... Her portrayal there, where you finally see that glimmer of her old self, and I'm just like, this is good acting. Because, like, it didn't feel entirely 100% authentic, and that was the point. Because she's probably trying to get back to her old self, but now she's trying... She's ready to get back to her old self. It's, it's such a complex performance, but... She pulls it off so naturally, and I was amazed that I hadn't recognized any of this cast before, um, because uh, like I was trying to look them up, and I'm like, I don't see any other anime work, but they sound naturals. Like these are naturals. Yeah. And then in that same scene, at the very at the very end of it, after the uh, after the message plays back. Uh, like God. that scream uh. cry. Like I, I have not heard anything like that in. This film destroyed me ten times over, and I'm not oh, okay yeah. with that. I am not okay with that ending. I wanted Mina. I wanted Minato to come back. I think that would have been fine because you know you see that message, you have that cry, then he comes back and says. Well, you know, I got my wish, but you never got your wish. Something like that, you know? And then... Just one more way to rip your heart out, man. <laughs> yeah. But then also, I have to point out the scene at the very, very end. Where she is after right. The, yeah, after the, after the Christmas thing, where she has basically... She's more or less figured out what she wants to do with her life. She's trained to be a lifeguard, and she's now working at the beach and basically telling everybody, oh, yeah, there's supposed to be a riptide today, so be careful. And, like, everybody's showing her a lot of respect, and it's just, like, I actually really like the note the movie itself ends on, where mm -hmm. if... 
since there was no way to bring Minato back, and like pairing her off with with Wasabi would have been felt to me absolutely wrong. Exactly. Even though I really like that confession scene. It, it would have gone against the character arc of her trying to grow and move on, and but also at the same time, he's not a placeholder. You know, it's yeah. Everyone has to grow and ride their own waves. Yeah. Oh, and you know, actually, in particular, I do also want to bring up the scene where Wasabi tries to confess to her and she freaks out because that's also pretty great. That is good. And where she's... You're talking to a toilet. People are going to look. People are starting to stare. (laughs) Yeah, where she's basically uh, singing to a toilet to get uh, Minato to appear. And he shows up in the toilet. Ladies, if your ghost... If you manage to figure out how to summon your ghost boyfriend by singing a song, don't spawn him in the toilet. You don't know where that... You don't know where that water's been. (laughs) Also, another really good scene where, like, they they finally figure out what the deal is, and she's like, wait here, and then she goes to take a bath, and she accidentally summons him by singing in the shower, and she's like, pervert, oh, wait wait a minute, um, well, it's it's you, I don't mind, but, (laughs) just, you summoned him. (laughs) I love her acting there. Yeah. Um, but going back to the ending, um... Since the idea of bringing Minato back wasn't in the cards, I I really appreciated the fact that Hinako's ending is basically her self-actualization. I where, agree. I agree. Where instead of, you know, magically bringing back Minato, which I, I hate to say it, I feel like that would have been a cop-out. Yeah, and, and, like, here's the thing. I understand why he had to go, because the whole movie is about dealing with grief, getting over grief, moving on. And the scene at the end shows that. It just... Do they really need to play the announcement at the end? No, I I agree with that. That was an (laughs) unnecessary twist of the night. But... Basically, you know, he had proposed to her... And recorded it a year before, before he was killed. And uh, just no, my heart, <laughs> my heart is uh, breaking. But I, I absolutely love the note the movie ends on with her basically being her best self, writing her wave. Because you know, you know, Minato would be looking down on that. Like, yeah, that's, I like that. That's great. That's my girl. And maybe one day she'll find someone else that, you know, is just as good, but... (laughs) They were perfect (laughs) together, and I'm sorry, this movie destroyed me. It destroyed me, and I... Like, this is is a Pixar-type level of destruction. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It destroyed me worse than Coco did. No, nothing will ever top Coco. I actually cried in the theater at Coco. Oh, I I watched Coco when my grandmother was, like, close to dying, so... Yeah. Needless to say, I can never watch Coco ever again. I mean, my grandparents had Alzheimer's, so it hit very 
close to home. And this was the same type of, like, I've been there, I've been at that level of you don't think you're able to find someone and you're mourning and you're trying to move on. Uh, this is a very hit-home movie. And, again, I think everyone should see it at least once, but they did not need the knife twist. No. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think that about like goes right into our our final thoughts. Zenith, did you have anything else you wanted to say about Ride Your Wave before we wrap it up for the day? It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, it also reminds like I put it right up there with God. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. God, uh, it's about the lesbians. Not blooming to you, but um. Kase-san and Morning Glories. Morning Glories. Yeah, it, it has the same feeling, same, like, well-production values. Um, it doesn't... It's not as much of... Morning Glory is, is what I would prefer to recommend because it's not as much of a gut punch, but... <laughs> like, these, these films really hit home for me, and I, I feel like these are films that people should see. And uh, you should go out and watch it and enrich yourself in the culture of film. Um, yeah, this was this was great. Patrick, my friend, please continue. This, you know what? Um, I had said in the past when um, when we reviewed Lou Over the Wall that that was actually my favorite of the uh, of the animated Yuasa canon. Mm-hmm. This may have usurped it. Oh, snap. Snap. Uh, this this film took me by absolute surprise. Um, I, I came into it expecting one thing. I was sort of expecting, you know, after having seen Lou Over the Wall, I was expecting this to sort of be like a, like a Gidget, like a beach movie. And it ended up being a really thoughtful and poignant thought piece on, you know, the process of grief and becoming a better self through a love that you experience but lost. And it is, it's absolutely gut-wrenching but absolutely beautiful. Um, I cannot recommend it heartily enough. It actually managed to take home one of my dubbies this year for underrated performance for Merritt Layton. Um, if I had the opportunity, I probably would have given it to all four of the, the actors. Just because they're, they're all great. And this movie, I was worried about it around the time of the dubbies because the only way you could access it and the dub was through the Blu-ray at the time. Um, but now that it's on HBO Max, it's a little easier to access. Um, and so, Amazon Prime, it was only like five bucks. I want to say, like it's really cheap. Yeah, you can, and also available through like the movie rental platforms as well. Um, but it's it's absolutely enjoyable. It handles like I think the thing I like about it the most is it handles grief in such a in such a mature way that feels a little surprising but then again also 
it seems to be a central theme in uh, Yuasa projects as well, like Devilman Crybaby and Lou Over the Wall. Like, it, it, it's just, it's just good and poignant and, like, just, I, I know we, we spoiled the living shit out of it over the course of this episode, but if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> go ahead and pause this video or, or the podcast app that you're listening to this in. Go on HBO Max or run to your local video store, pick this up, and, and, and watch it. It's it's worth it, I promise. And I I agree. Um, ooh, that was my chair. Uh, the the first time I watched this movie, I I went back on Mal to check. I gave it a nine out of ten. I think the second go round, I gave it an eight and a half, just because I knew what was coming. Um, because the first time I watched it, it literally knocked the wind out of me. Like, I was ugly crying for the entire thing. And my favorite anime are the ones that make me feel something, that make me feel some kind of emotion. And if they can knock me out and make me cry like this movie did, like, it's, it's going to be up there in the top. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't planning on enjoying it because number one, I'm terrified of fish. So with a title like Ride Your Wave, you almost guaranteed that there are going to be some fish in there. Not a whole lot. So I was like happy about that. And then number two, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm not the biggest Yuasa fan just because of the art style. And this art style was not something that I had personally seen from him before. So I was like very very happy that I could like full on go into this and not have any preconceived notions and just enjoy it for what it is. Um, as somebody who struggles with dealing with grief pretty much on the daily, um, this is a very hard movie for me to watch, but I do recommend that if you can, everybody go and watch it because the, the struggles that the characters go through are very real, and they're but they're also very reassuring if you're going through the same things yourself. Um, as for the the dub acting, again, really liked it, and I'm glad that I got the viewpoints and opinions of my friends here to contrast some of the things that I thought about some of the acting in it. Because, like I said, I can't tell. Am I just being weird because of x y and z or is this really how it is and so that's why these episodes are so much fun to record because you get to hear all these different viewpoints and even though i may not have cared for something that doesn't mean that other people don't and that's how it should be again i really did like this dub um i tend to like, I'm hit or miss with NYAV Post dubs. I tend to give them awards for weird things like mixing. Not this movie. <laughs> this mixing was not great. Or HBO Max's streaming mixing was not great. But other than that, I really liked the writing, the directing, the song adaptations were great. I enjoyed the performances, even if they made me a little heated. I'm like, okay, it's fine. And I liked that it wasn't a whole bunch of of actors in a normal anime portfolio that you would see that were in this movie, that they were different. 
And I'm sorry that I didn't recognize you, Joey Richter. You don't know who I am, and you probably will never remember that. But I did, because I'm lame and probably the biggest fangirl known to man. All right. (laughs) All that being said, go watch Ride Your Wave. If you would like to, you could watch it on HBO Max if you have a subscription there. You could also buy it on Blu-ray, or you can watch it, as Zenith said, on Amazon Prime for a rental fee. Um, it is licensed by G Kids, so it's not on any other platforms that I know of as of yet, like Funimation Crunchyroll, you can't find it on there. Um, if you would like to uh, support Dub Talk, you can go to our Twitter, our, uh, what else we got? Twitter, Tumblr, I guess. Nobody updates that anymore. Our Twitch channel, they're playing games on it now. I just want to sit there and play Billion Road, but nobody has it but me, and I don't have an Elgato, so that's not going to happen. Uh, (laughs) Fucking love that game. (laughs) So follow us on Twitter at DubTalkPodcast. On this YouTube channel, please subscribe. Help us out. Every little bit helps. Um, Or you can also follow us on uh, Kofi. What the fuck is it? Coffee? Kofi? 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 We still have one of those. Coughing. The three coughing, the three dollar tip jar, uh, or you can follow us on Patreon where you get some really cool perks, including having me shout out your name at the end of episodes, like the people in our five dollar tier, including Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie hands, Sue Tuete. Please let us know how to pronounce your name, please. Thank you, and Victor Mayberata. In our $10 tier, we have Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Thank you guys so much for helping us out over on Patreon. Again, I apologize if I mispronounce your name. Please DM me on Twitter and let me know how to say it, and I will correct that the next time I host an episode, which may or may not be very soon. You never know. You never know in good old Dub Talk land. And if you want to follow us on any of the social medias, you can follow Zenith at... Uh, at uh, I have many channels. I, I have Twitter at Zenith underscore Bun Squad. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Zenith Bun Squad. Or uh, my YouTube channel, which is going to be the Bun Squad soon, but is currently Zenith Warrior Princess. Or my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Zenith Warrior Princess. And that is also my Patreon. So... Check that out. I do a lot of stuff. Um, with that being said, though, this is the last Dub Talk episode I'm going to be on for a while. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's very sad. Like, listen, Dub Talk is my family. They brought me on um, from near the beginning because they wanted me to guest, and then I suddenly became part of the crew, and it's been really, really fun ride. And I'm not going anywhere, but... A lot of things have happened in my life. My health is not very good. Um, I'm trying to get it sorted out. I'm trying to get through this new job. And I don't have a lot of free time. And I I need to focus on, you know, my other things. I need to focus on my streams. I need to focus on my show. Um, But also, like, I just... I I need a break. Because every single time I try to set a date to do something, something happens. Like, it happened tonight. uh, When... My cat peed all over my clothes, and I had to clean it up at the last minute. So, unfortunately, my life is very busy now, and uh, I, I basically asked Dub Talk, can I have a break? 
Um, so I don't know when the next time I'm gonna be on is. I will be back, but it probably won't be for a while, at least until I get some of this stuff sorted out. But to my entire Dub Talk family, to everyone watching, to all the fans of Dub Talk, thank you for supporting me and being my friends for all these years. And I mean, I will be back one day, but I need a massive break and I need some time to just chill and not worry about deadlines and whatnot. Um, but you guys are all great. Thank you for everything you've done for me the past few years. And uh, hopefully once uh, the restrictions are lifted and everyone's vaccinated, we can meet up again and uh, in Anime Boston 5, the search for more money. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Is that, girl, you're going to make me cry. Patrick, can you edit that and make yeah. her go last? <laughs> Get a little verklempt. A little verklempt. <sighs> Um, so I'm Patrick, a.k.a. Roots of Justice. You can find me on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice, all one word. Uh, mainly retweet cute animal pics, talk general fandom. It's a good time. You should come follow me. Um, and I am working on a couple solo projects very slowly. They are coming together, I promise. Um, so maybe I can have some announcements to have for those soon, I hope. Maybe. And my name is Gigi. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Anime Palooza, where I post videos once or twice a week about Udapri, basically. And uh, I'm actually vlogging now, which will be up before this podcast goes up. So I can say I'm vlogging now. It's a little different, but I'm doing my best. I also have another podcast called The Shoujo Trash Showdown, which will be re-revived as soon as I can... Watch Idolish 7 because it's 17 episodes long for the first season, and that's a lot. Zenith, first of all, am I mispronouncing? Should I be calling you Zenith? What do you What do you like the best? It doesn't matter to me. Zenith, Zenith, whatever you feel is comfortable to you. Zenith, it has been a pleasure, my friend. I know you're not leaving leaving but i don't know how long your extended break will be mine lasted about four months i'm guessing yours will be longer than that but it all depends can you give me a new robotic body because then i can come back sooner (laughs) um if you can give me free liposuction then yes deal all right cool we're gonna go surfing so (laughs) (laughs) It has been a pleasure, my friend. I wish I would have brought some cake and some candles. We could have sang. I don't know. We Oh, I, I know what we could sing. Here you are, out on the water. I, I see, see you your smiling face. They shining back, shining at, back me. at me. So make me sing. Here you are. Out of the water. (laughs) (laughs) As we all dissolve into sobs. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Dub Talk. I believe there's one more summer at the movies coming up. Because for some reason I always go last. Deuces. Uh, So until next time, as Steph would say, otaku on, my friends. Love your faces. Otaku on that dubba. And just remember, there you are, 
out on the water. God, where was I going with this? Um, I am tired. <laughs> it's late, fam. <laughs> um, Sorry, you can blame my cat for that. Oh, oh, no worries. Bunny jail for Chiaki. Chiaki goes in bunny jail. Khan is in charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, 